to infinity and beyond, ladies and gentlemen. Like Elon Musk said, we're going to the moon. Welcome back to the Grow with Tim podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jay Du, one of your co-hosts. I'm Tim Joyner. And we have a third man in the studio this morning as we record this. And we're very excited to have him here before he ends up in some zero gravity rotation or we can't find him because he's floating around in space. We've got Mr. Adam Anderson. Adam, thanks for being here on the Grow with Tim podcast. This is awesome. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. We just started to warm up, ladies and gentlemen, and the stories that are going to come out of this man and the growth mindset and the thinking that he possesses is going to be something special. Now, Tim, how do you guys know each other? So we met uh, flying stunt planes in Las Vegas together, I guess. Well, you flew. I threw up a lot. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we were shooting uh, machine guns on helicopters and yep. racing exotic supercars and all kinds yep. of fun stuff and spent uh, close to a week together out there, I guess, and have uh, have stayed friends since. Yeah, it's a real strange first date. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do to get to know each other? Um, race supercars and jump trucks? Yeah, all right, let's do that. Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. So what's interesting about that is most people don't have those experiences at all. We met our best friend in junior English or something like that. You guys have a completely different trajectory. And, Adam, that trajectory is uh, – got to get right into it. Is, is soon to take you in outer space? Get, help me out. Help me understand what is it that you're thinking and doing. So we're right on now. our way. Um, I've been obsessed with space for a while. And so what we are doing is uh, in September, a buddy of mine is being launched to space um, on a SpaceX rocket for 10 days. Well, he will be solo on this dragon capsule, and they're ripping two chairs out, and he will paint 30 paintings in zero-G and auction some of those Hold off. Hold on, 30 paintings? Well, I guess you did say 10 days? 10 days, yep. And this guy paints in front of stadiums. He's um, he Actually, there's some pretty cool videos of him painting in zero-G on the zero-G flights. Really? He's gone through a whole lot of training, and he's like, hey, bro, I've only using like 100 kilograms worth of payload, and I have 300 kilograms spare and you're building a space company that does uh -huh. space manufacturing you want some of my payload i'm like yes please so cool. this is a, a step along the way to you know i can see in the next 10 years being in space on a regular basis to in a co-working space to handle some of the space manufacturing we're trying to do because if you're going to go grab an asteroid what you don't want to do is drag that to earth you want to do that do way far away which means that of course you do of course yeah it's right. like hey uh, everybody knows that yeah you, you know, i've seen the movie armageddon you don't bring, you don't bring the rock the thing to us then you're gonna have to train you know deep sea miners how to be astronauts which by the way why didn't they train the astronauts to mine stuff in that movie. It seems like that'd be quicker. Like, <laughs> you know, I was I'm wondering just, the same thing, you yeah. know, exactly. so, so I think Tim, I, I do not have any <laughs> questions anymore as to why you asked this man to be on this podcast. <laughs> Adam, we got to back up and zoom Very out good. Very and, good. and start big picture. You just talked about your buddy going to space. I mean, how many of us have buddies that are going to space, first of all, and you're using some of his payload, but we got to zoom out. So tell us about who is Adam Anderson and mm -hmm. why are why are you sending payload into space? So my, my wife describes me as uh, when, she, when her friends say, hey, what does your husband do? And she's like, uh, he does big things with cool people. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a great one-liner. 
And I'm interested in super disruptive, world-changing things. And I have the ability to see how various puzzle pieces fit together behind the scenes. And so a lot of the things that I do seem big and chaotic and crazy, but a lot, the reason I do some of that is it's a pattern interrupt to get the attention of the person I need to go do the thing I want to do. So for example, my big mission is to help really drastically reduce the amount of human trafficking of children online. Mm. And I go out and try to raise $25 million and nobody cares. Really? It's not that they don't care. It's that it's just such a big problem. No right. One th- right. So I think to myself, well, shoot, if I need $25 million, what's the quickest way for me to do that? I send 100 bottles of whiskey to space, and then I auction them off, and I'll do it myself. So when I think about, you know, what am I doing here and why am I doing it, it's all about how do I make the biggest impact for humanity? And, you know, am I playing it at a size where if I'm successful, it matters? Because I've been successful before, and making a couple million dollars and doing a thing, you know, that's cool. It's really neat for me. But if you want to send ripples through humanity, you got to up your game. And so, yeah, that's been a constant game that I've been playing is can I go bigger? Yeah. What does that look like? That's a theme that I've seen in you again and again. You are one of the biggest thinkers I know. You know, most people start a business. Well, if they start a business, they probably stick with it for a long time. Maybe mm-hmm. they retire from that business or maybe it fizzles out or maybe they sell it and then they become a consultant or something. You start not one, but multiple businesses, you sell it, then you start something that, and before I know it, you're raising $200 million in a venture fund, or you're trying to create space whiskey or half a dozen other things. And, and it seems like you are constantly leveling up. Have you always been that way? Hold on, you you said some cool stuff right there. Let's I just did. honor that. Let's that, just let's that just that go, guy. Let's <laughs> just go back. In. Right. Let's just go back and reiterate all the great things that I do and think. You just did some good stuff there, buddy. That's all right. We're recording this, right? Right. Oh, oh yeah. Bam. We good got deal. it. I got to show this to my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, was I always this way? I think I was. Um, I was always curious, and I was always, can I go bigger? Can I? It just was more fun. And at one point in time, I definitely think was an adrenaline seeker. But adrenaline seeking moved to experience seeking. Experience seeking went to impact seeking. And, mm-hmm. and even at a younger age, it's the same drive. I just feel like it's morphing in a little bit, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if we're allowed to say this on air. So I, if, if we've got to edit this out, can we talk about the uh, the, the the aspirational fight in space? Ooh. I don't know if we're allowed to take, say that or not. You mean like actual Rob stuff? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, y- you were in talks with a very well-known figure about staging something significant in oh, space. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can yeah, we yeah, talk yeah. about we that? We can talk about that. Yeah, so tell but, us about Conor McGregor. and. Uh, so idea of space whiskey is merely a revenue generator to make the idle infrastructure of space, which is really expensive and it's out there and no one's making money off of it. 100% of space companies, $0 profit. Right. Like, good job, guys. Right, right. So I'm like, right. let's create cash flowing businesses. And pay-per-view is a pretty decent cash flow. Mm-hmm. But you got to grab people's eyes. Right. So we approached you know, McGregor's entertainment company, Conor McGregor's, and we're like, hey, we want to we wanna throw you up into the space off of a dragon capsule and inflate a arena and have Proper 12 be the sponsor. That's Conor McGregor's uh, Irish whiskey and do the world's first ever MMA fight in low earth orbit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> 
<laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is what I mean by his big thinking. Yeah, right? I mean, a lot of people have a crazy idea like that, but they don't act. This man like has the idea, and the next day he's talking to Conor McGregor's publicist or whoever. Yeah, it is, yeah, right? we, we got a we got a not right now. Not right now. <laughs> we didn't not get right. a no. But you tried. We didn't get a no. That's right. And, and I even used a Mid Journey yeah. uh, AI to create a artificial image of Conor McGregor in a spacesuit in space. In space in yeah. G. I saw that. That was a lot of fun. That was, yeah, we got to talk a- about AI today too because you've done a lot of interviews. This is an interesting person to be on the on the show for sure, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't figured that out already. <laughs> So, he's right. <laughs> so, so talk to us a little bit more. I know about your venture capital endeavors. I know about Space Whiskey. You're actually eventually going to make moonshine on the moon, I think. That's right. That, that's phase two. First of all, we're going to send whiskey to space and sell it. You're going to actually make moonshine. You're going to blend it, I guess. And The idea is using the water from the moon. Yeah. There's to, water on the moon. There's there's ice. And so what we do is we okay. melt the ice and we get the water from that. And first, we're trying to make sure it's not going to kill him. <laughs> right, right. That'd, that'd so thing. who are we but, testing it on uh, first? Uh, <laughs> I got a buddy. Okay, uh, I, yes, got a buddy. I got a buddy. Actually, too. Uh, his name is Jose Hernandez. He is a six-time shuttle flight engineer. Spent oh, 15 okay. days on the International Space Station. He's the only astronaut who owns his own vineyard, and he was a spokesperson for Modelo in Mexico. Oh, well, this is the guy. Right? And yeah. I was like, Jose, you've got one job. I'm sending you to space, and I'm getting you blitz drunk, and you're <laughs> going to see what happens to your body. And he's like, I'm game. Send me. Put me in, coach. I know what to do. Mm. But yeah, the, the, the thing is, is that when you make whiskey or you make moonshine, it's the same process as making rocket fuel. So the idea is that when you think big and you start doing something, you have to have an idea of where you're actually going. And where I'm going has nothing to do with creating the alcohol. What I'm doing is creating profitable infrastructure for the future of where humanity is going. I'm going to own the first supply depot on the moon. So when China's doing their moon bases, Pan, all the folks who are going to be doing things on the moon need to buy oxygen, water, and power from someone. Mm. And if I'm already there yep. and I flip the switch from making moonshine to making rocket fuel, making the byproducts for oxygen. That's what this is all about. It's using now, luxury products to fund infrastructure. I'm pretty sure that if anybody else on, I have to say this planet, right? If sure. anybody else <laughs> In this on conversation, this planet yeah. <laughs> were to tell me that you're going to own the first supply depot on the moon, I would say they're probably a little delusional. But with you, I think I actually believe it. Well, there I you think go. I actually believe. I got some powerful charisma, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so we know about some of your space ventures. We mm-hmm. know. I don't know if I said this on the. I was talking to Jeremiah earlier, JD, about uh, you being on Necker Island with Richard Branson. Yep. You've done some space for humanity stuff. You're on the board, I think. Maybe we're involved in founding that. I'm not sure. What else does Adam Anderson do? Wow. I'm actually in a, uh, in a shrinking stage right now because what happens – so usually when, you, uh, when you're trying to explore how to be growth mindset and, and you're doing all the growth stuff, you try a whole bunch of stuff and it grows real big. So I get involved in a whole bunch of things and then I realize, okay, what is working and where do I want to go? Right. And through that, that kind of like inhale where you expand and you see all the stuff and you're like, okay, exhale. Now I'm focused on these things. So I actually drew a mind map the other day and I was like, I got to stop. <laughs> Where is where is self care? You probably ran out of paper. That's it. Well, the good news it was a it was an <laughs> iPad, so I just kept scrolling, yeah, okay. scrolling, yeah, yeah. scrolling. Here's the things that uh, I'm doing, and these are I call myself a parallel entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? Serial entrepreneur. Relate. Yeah, you, you too, baby. Right. <laughs> Serial entrepreneurship is build a company, sell a company, build a company, sell a company, one at a time. Yep. Parallel entrepreneurship is what Tim and I do, which is um, we're going to do a bunch of stuff, and then we're going to find really, really good people to run those things for us. Amen. Right. Okay. And, and so we've got a really cool mastermind group. Yeah. Uh, M3. Chris Reynolds runs that thing. Um, Hook Security. It's a psychological security. Founder of a new school of new school of thought around security about. Oh man, I can go 
that forever. I love that. That's the thing that I'm most interested about is the human brain and how do you build resilient human minds to resist manipulation through technology. And that's going to be the, the lever that we pull. A lot of talk about cybersecurity that's technology focused, but you're looking at the human element. That's right. Social engineering and the, yeah. Yep. So if you think about security, yeah, physical security, guards, gates, guns. Yep. You've got cybersecurity, bits and bytes. Yep. I care about neurons and synaptics. Yep. Love and it. there's no science about it. So we're going to be doing that crap. We got Hook. We got um, Anzus. Anzus Capital is my venture stuff I do. And I'm falling out of love with venture. Really? Yeah. It's, we can dive into that in, in a bit. But, but the real thing that we've fallen in love with is capital allocation, deploying money in such a way you don't go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. And also to, to make sure that at the end of the day, you actually get what you're, you're trying to accomplish done. And so what Anzus Capital does is we help you know people with money and know how they want to deploy it, actually do it in a way that, that works best for them. And so I'm really enjoying those kind of things because you get into some really, really cool opportunities and some really cool people when you show up. Servant leadership, how am I going to help you build that? So we got Anzus Capital, we got Hook, we've got, um, you mentioned uh, Space for Humanity. I'm a board of advisor member there and I was chair of their development committee. And that's when we got two tickets on Virgin Galactic given to us that we turned around and auctioned off. And, and the whole idea of Space for Humanity is to space for Earth. If we're going to go, we got to make sure that we are the humanity that we want that is going to go to space. So we got to work on humanity first and space is part of what we're doing, not forget humanity mm -hmm. and let's mm -hmm. go someplace else. So, man, I should have my uh, mind map in front. This is why. Uh, well, I'm trying to follow. Yeah, this mind map. And I'm thinking, OK, so maybe we can send prisoners to space if they're not the right humanity, and they can drink all they want up there. I'm trying to put it all together. Like, I think can we what, just make this all one big so company? You basically, to clarify Space for Humanity, because I think a lot of our listeners are probably not familiar with oh, it. Yeah. The idea, as I understand it, is when you're in space, you have a whole different perspective. That's right. You look down on this tail, you know, this pale blue dot, right? And you say, wow, maybe we're more alike than we're different, right? Mm -hmm. And some of our differences and and biases and are all kind of melt away. And so the idea is to get people to experience that perspective. Is that right? Yeah, it's called the overview effect. So when you get up there and you look down and you see the horizon, you see the bend, you see the, the earth, and you don't see the lines on the map that we see mm -hmm. when you look at a globe. And oh my goodness, I'm not from Florida, I'm from earth. And everybody here, and you look around and most of what you can see is space. And you're like, oh, we are a teeny tiny thing. Mm -hmm. This is a spaceship that we're on. It's not a planet, right? And so what happens is that when you come down, you have a completely different mindset. And so Space for Humanity's hypothesis is if we send leaders, local leaders, not people who are already, you know, they call them citizen astronauts, anyone can apply. And they send a young lady from Egypt and another one from Mexico, and they are They've had world-changing experiences, and now the young lady down in Mexico is running for office. And so you take somebody, mm -hmm. you give them an overview effect, you change their consciousness a little bit, and then they go off and they... I mean, do good for screw, screw lobbying. That's right. expensive. Send right. someone to space. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that's so much cheaper. You know, so much more cost effective. Ironically, yeah. <laughs> so we've heard about some of the things, and I know there's more to it, but we've oh, yeah. heard about some of the big things that you're doing today. My question at the beginning, though, has Adam Anderson always been a big thinker, or is mm -hmm. that a conscious development? No, it's always been a big thinker. So take us back to how were you – you said you're a, you were an Army brat, I think. Uh, Air Force. Air yep. Force. So – 
how were you raised and what what were your teenage years like like how mm. did you get to be from and what were you doing in business i guess in those earlier years than where you are today what'd you start doing were you working at mcdonald's or so the growing up in the military was interesting and especially with my dad so my dad east time was a family advocacy officer so he dealt with death and dying combat stress things like that mm-hmm. so he was a psychologist social worker that kind of guy who people would go to on base in wartime he was in you know, attached to psychological warfare. How do we, like, dropping leaflets on the Iraqis during Desert Storm, Deborah Shield, it's psychological warfare, that kind of stuff. And so that was my dad. <laughs> so you're growing up, and you don't come home for a uh, past curfew, and he's like, ah, oh, you know, I own this one. I trusted you too much, and I put too much weight on your shoulder. I'm like, no, Dad, you're fine. Like, by the time he's done, like, dressing you down, you're like, no, you're good, Dad. I'll be on restrictions, self-imposed <laughs> for, like, two right. Right? right? So growing up with that, uh, and also, it was normalized that you did amazing things. Mm. Like my mother was the first woman ever accepted to Northwestern University's nuclear engineering program. Oh, yeah. You know, um, my dad would go off, and it was normal for him to respond to a hijacking. And I'm like, okay, well, mm. that's just what you do. Yeah. And so do a thing and be and do it big and do it so it matters has been in my DNA since I was a kid. And I didn't know it. Everybody didn't do that. Right? Now, do you have siblings? Do they share some of your aspirations? Yeah, you know, not, none, none of them are any good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, we hope they're listening yeah, as yeah. well. Hey, yeah. Ken. No, I have an older brother, and he takes more after my mother, and I mm-hmm. take more after my father. And so he got it perfect on the SATs, perfect on the ACTs, went to college as a junior at the University of Florida, spent nine years there getting multiple degrees. So he took all the smarts, is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. Let me finish the story. Here <laughs> yeah. we go. Um, and then he worked for me. Ah, very so good. So you tell me who's The A students <laughs> have to work for the B students while the C students you run the it. company, right? Yeah. And the B students exit and go to space. Yes, yeah. and or or the guy I dropped out, so I don't know what that. I mean, okay, I, right. I, I'm thinking I would be a C student if gotcha. I really got there. But uh-huh. after 96 credit hours, where the downhill skiing and whitewater kayaking over at the University <laughs> of Utah, you know, I'm uh, like, this is probably yeah. not going anywhere. I need to I need to go get into computers. So, so. move into some of your earlier businesses. I think you yeah. exited from several things, as I just mentioned. So what have they all been in uh, security yes. type mindset? You seem to have a theme there. Yeah. So when I dropped out of college, I had been playing video games all my life. My mom was a teacher, so she had computers in the house. Yep. And the way she got me interested in them was like, look, a game. And accidentally on purpose, I learned networking and all the stuff to make the game work. Yeah. And so 1999, there's this thing called Y2K that was happening. Right. Okay. And I dropped out of college. I was about 20 and immediately started making $96,000 a year as a 20 year old who dropped out of college. And I was paying more in taxes than my mother as a teacher with a master's degree mm. was making. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're telling me I should stay in school? Why are you telling me I should stay in school? <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of was a solo consultant for a while and eventually got into cybersecurity. And then the company I was working for outsourced about 23, 24 years old. And I said, well, what's my career plan? I said, you don't have one. I was like, oh, cool, bro. Can I get a letter of recommendation? Then, yes, you can. So I went to work for IBM. I was a road warrior for a little while. And then I started companies. Actually, the first company I ever started, I was an investor. So I invested into a silver jewelry company mm-hmm. and I had no idea what I was doing. So like, here's 10000 Go do it. Right. And. And, you know, we get to the point where the guy who is my number one customer said, hey, uh, I'm paying IBM $250 an hour. What if I paid you $185 an hour and you left IBM and just started your own shop? And I was like, sure. Let's see. So I call up IBM because I got this thing called a non-compete. And yeah. I'm like, hey, um, I think I can help our customers better if I was a business partner rather than an employee. And they said, yeah, you should totally do that. You're probably right. Bye. I always wish I could start a company because IBM stands for I've been moved. So I have a uh, different manager every gotcha. year. Okay. So the irony is, is that 
I was doing the same job. So the company I got outsourced out of was that customer. So they were paying me something like 90K a year to run a complex cybersecurity environment. Then I went to IBM and they began paying IBM, you know, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year for me to do the exact same job, but have a different shirt on. And then we changed the shirt again to my company. And now I'm getting paid a little over three hundred thousand a year for the same job. And the difference is. And you realize there's some arbitrage <coughs> opportunities here, right? Well, yeah. And what I the biggest fear I had was being a nameless line on a spreadsheet that a CFO is going to cut because they don't understand what I do and they need to get two percent more profit to make the stock go up. So working for the man was really scary for me. Okay. I loved being in control because if I needed more money, I would take my customers golfing and I'd be like, what's making you mad today? And they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hmm, got any budget to make that go away? Yeah, I got blah, blah, blah. Well, let me make a call real quick. All right, my guys are on it. And so, well, let me change. No, no, stop talking about business, dude. We're golfing, right? Yeah, right, <laughs> so, right, right. And so, pull, reel them in, and let it go. Uh, that's it. And yeah. so, what, this one of the things I like. If when I was in a system, growth was really difficult. It wasn't until I built an environment for myself where I was able to go out and test things and have freedom of time and freedom of money and freedom to like go experiment. That's when that whole growth thing really began to had the freedom to dream bigger, right? Now, you talk about growth along this process, but there's got to be a question we don't ask much to the uh, folks that we have on the podcast. There's got to be some mistakes and some faux pas along that journey. Well, getting on this podcast seems like the okay. first one. That's a, <laughs> right, right. It's a horrible question. Big what Brother Ken hell? is going to come find you, right? So I want to oh, know yeah. about, get, get, help us understand that on that growth journey, where have there been some failures? Yeah, so I've been primary investor or the person who has started 30 companies in the last couple of years. And each and every one has a emotional scar on my soul. Mm. So I started a company called LFG Gaming and I, it uh, was like a coffee shop, 25 computers. We were spending around, uh, we were making 3000 bucks a month, but I was spending 14,000. Mm. So leave that emotional scar was called <laughs> cash flow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. It. And it keeps going, but I will stripe on the back cash flow done. Okay. But actually if I can summarize all 30 of those, the number one way to say, what did I learn? What were the biggest mistakes? are always been around people and it's not taking the time to make sure that the person that you're inviting in to the thing that you're doing understands everything and that you take the time to understand them mm. right because when I've my first company I fired myself 10 years into it and we sold it 13 years later and I did it in the incorrect way mm. right so my brother was the president of my company and then we had a, another senior exec we were in Vegas my marriage was on the rocks my kids were calling me by my first name it was like everything was falling apart but revenue was up an amazing company and I was losing everything else. So we say that living a life without regrets and if you're super successful at something you hate or is something that is destructive, that's not success. Right. So they fired me. <laughs> I said, hey, um, you're not allowed to go to any more meetings. I said, oh, I said, I'm going to still pay me guys. They're like, yeah, we get it. You're not going to still pay yours. But I left, right? And so by not equipping them to take over the company, by doing the thing in the wrong way, like having life happen to me rather than me do the upfront work, I put a lot of people in bad situations. And so I've learned that most of my mistakes come from not being conscious of the other people who I'm happening to. And so if I can advise anybody on growth, it's it doesn't happen without people. And if you're not careful how you treat those people and how you talk with those people, you're either going to cause irreparable damage to certain really special relationships or you're going to fail in general. And so people first. Wow. That was good deep. advice. That was deep. That's pretty good, too. Yeah. <laughs> well done, me. I'm sorry you're not <laughs> holding a mic that you can drop. Uh, it's it's not, it's not as good. You're right. <laughs> so the next uh, line of thinking and questioning that I might have is what type of associations have mm. brought you guys together? You talked about this M3. 
group here and some of the other thinkers. And what Tim always has said about you for the last year he's been talking you up is this guy outthinks everybody that I know. I mean, it's out of this world thinking, quite literally, right? So tell me how you associate with folks maybe you're not in business with mm-hmm. and how you network with them. So I think there's three different kinds of networks. Um, we were just talking about this um, with Zach the other day. And you have tight relationship networks. These are 20 to 50 people. Like, you're in my tight relationship mm-hmm. network. I can call you. Da, da, da. We're not asking anything from each other. We're not selling anything to each other. We're being in that circle empowers everybody. So I'm very, very careful and intentional about bringing people into that. And I'll tell you a Necker Island story about you know, why that's important to be intentional. Then I have another circle, which is my transactional network. These are people or acquaintances but it's really about we're doing work together and we build trust. And then we have what I call the vanity network. And that's my LinkedIn. (laughs) That's right. I'm not really making good, tight relationships. I'm not going to, you don't go to somebody who's your first connection on LinkedIn that you connect to a year ago and be like, bro, I'm moving and you got a truck. Can you come over? It's like, I'm in Vermont. I'm like, I'll pay for gas. So I was realizing that. So when I fired myself, I realized, As a CEO, my most important job is to build really good networks of people so that when my people who work for me needed help getting into a client or whatever, I can make phone calls on their behalf. So I took it as my number one job to build amazing relationships all over the world so that way I could help the people who I chose to help. You guys mentioned Necker Island. That was very intentional. Um, I When you're the biggest thinker in the the room, that means you're in the wrong room. In the wrong room. That's right. Absolutely. So I uh, went to Necker Island after he sold the company. My wife and I went for uh, six days or so with 30 other people who each spent 50k to be there and we're hanging out with richard branson we've got and, and we've been twice the first one was probably the most mind-blowing but the second one well we can get into all that later but the i remember walking in and i had this idea i was gonna make a space station yeah, space station and i'm when i think of a thing i kind of experience i'm already doing it okay right so in my head i already have made moonshine on the moon and you guys just haven't caught up to it yet so i'm strutting around i'm posing as like i got a space station and this lady walks up and she goes oh I hear you're working on a space station. That's so good. I I never get to meet people like me. I've got six. One's attached to the International Space Station right now. I'm a private equity investor. I'm like, ma'am, I was posing. I, I, <laughs> right, I apologize. <laughs> ma'am, I'm so yes. sorry. I, but how's the shrimp? I'm going to go in there and talk like, to somebody else. You want else. some more sushi? Yeah. We'll get some sushi. <laughs> uh, it, the, so that was the thing. Is like You always have to up your game. And then we realized, you looked around that room. This was the second time. This is when Ray and Kristen were there. And we looked around the room, and it was a whole bunch of people who looked the same, sounded the same. And it was the same groups from New York and from always in L.A. I'm like, shoot, I got to go and disrupt travel again. So when I say there's a you got to be careful about the echo chambers that you're building, right? Because I will bring people who I really, really enjoy into my inner circle. If you want to have some people in there who are challenging you that think differently than you do, that have different experiences. Like, for example, we're doing business in Southeast Asia right now, and they do it way different than I do. But I have somebody in my network who's done business with those guys. And I had to go find that person intentionally a couple years ago to be ready for this. And so I take a lot of pleasure in going places other people don't to meet people other people won't and bring that you know, wisdom into my DNA. And that helps it. me grow. I love it. Now, speaking of international travel, we need to have a small excursus here, uh, parenthetical. I believe that you are the, the special advisor to the former, somebody in Bahrain. You got to tell <laughs> us the story. All right. 
So, yeah, this is how you network, kids. <laughs> we're, at, we're on uh, Cheering Togboy, former prime minister of Bhutan, and one of the funniest, nicest guys. He's got two TED Talks. you got to go watch them. He's amazing. Um, Bhutan developed something called gross national happiness. So it wasn't a matter of gross domestic you know, GDP versus yeah, right. gross national happiness because the, the king was like, I don't care how rich we are. I care how happy my people are. Find a new way to measure happiness mm. so that I know if we're building a country that my people love. I'm like, cool. So they did that, and we've been talking. He's a great guy. But we're sitting there drinking whiskey together. Um, Earth, at, Earth whiskey. Earth whiskey. Earth whiskey. Yeah, Former prime minister. Former prime minister of Bhutan. I was like, so you're the. And Bhutan f- is on this planet. It is. Okay, it is. just make it. It's Southeast Asia continue. again, right? It's getting there. And so we're just, he's just so funny. So I'm like, wait, you're the former? Prime Minister, you didn't win again. What's your problem? Is it right? <laughs> and, and, he's, and he's like, the whiskey has now spoken. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'll I'll run again. But you know, it's like, uh huh. Hey, tell you what, I'm gonna be your uh, special advisor on cybersecurity. And he's like, well, Adam, Bhutan doesn't have a lot of computers. I'm just like, you're already doing a good job. I'm already having. <laughs> but, it, but but I said that's not the point. I want you to immediately fire me. And he's like, what? Yeah, yeah. I want to be the former special advisor to cybersecurity <laughs> right, to the yeah. former prime minister of Bhutan. And he's like, done. I'm like, okay. And I put cheers that crap, right yeah, there. Right. Cheers. And I, you, so I put it on LinkedIn. Yeah. It's on my stuff. Fast forward, we started working with other Southeast Asian com- uh, countries and they care about that stuff. Really? And, and they're like, okay. oh, you were the advisor <laughs> to the former prime minister of Bhutan? Yeah. Uh, former advisor. The former, former advisor, advisor to former, the former. Right. That's right. Assistant to the manager. That's it. That's yes. it. And so, you know, we're, we, are had opened all these doors because now you know brunei indonesia thailand they're like oh if somebody else in our somebody else in our circle decided to trust you even if it's just silly love it the fact that that a connection is there yeah yeah is and and i think that if you're going to build networks and if you're going to do this man go have fun be silly have fun tell jokes so i've always said it like this and i haven't heard very many other people say it i think i might have original here but i think you guys all understand it when i say it's not who you know it's never been that Mm. it's who knows you there you go that's a good way of putting it right and so this man knew you you were allowed to make that connection with him put something fun in but he knew you yeah now i I know who he is now i'll go look him up but he doesn't know me no yeah Uh, that's really cool yeah Man, I want a whiteboard. Okay, no, we'll get you one. <laughs> we'll get you one. So good. Take that, Ken. Yeah. Is Ken listening? Yeah, prob- right probably not. Okay. It, yeah. That's it. He, he's annoyingly super successful. So <laughs> here's, uh, as we kind of wrap things up, I, we're going to have to have you back. We love having you here. Thank you for your time. What advice would you give to the person who's looking for that next stage of growth? Mm. I think a lot of the things that you've talked about have may come easy to you getting into a new room with a new opportunity with new people yep. because of your personality. But when Tim has talked you up to me for the last year, we just met this morning, I realize how different personalities, the different, the, the spectrum between you two. Mm. So help the next person who's looking to grow and level up, who's not seeking fun and thrill or wants to travel to yeah. Necker Island or space. Well, just what general advice would you give to someone who's a little different than you? Yeah, the, the first step, nine times out of ten when I fail on a growth project, either personal, business, whatever, it's because I wasn't ready and I try to grow too fast. The first thing you need to do is know thyself. Mm. So do an audit. Check on your health. Check on your bank account. Check on your, your emotional bandwidth to do a growth thing. Because um, if you say, oh, I'm just going to do it. I got to do it. Now, I'm not telling you to always kick the can. Sometimes you just have to go. You'll never be ready. But I do want you to be aware. Right? And I want you to be 
before you start growing, have a kind of good idea of, yeah, this is going to, this is going to hurt. There's going to be some things that are going to have to change because growth has changed. I tell my daughter, you know, what gives light must endure burning. And if we're going to reforge a thing of iron, the first thing we're going to do, put it in the fire and heat it up. And then we're going to beat the crap out of it with a hammer. That's not a pleasant thing. And your soul, the way you're going to go about life, that when you try these growth things, it's just like putting yourself in the fire, heating yourself up to a point where you're malleable and you can grow and then getting the crap hit out of you as you get failures after failures until you don't. And so don't go into that lightly and then forgive yourself immediately. Have grace for yourself if it's difficult and you need to take a breath. So so I want to dig into that a little bit more because I think of you as somebody who thinks big and does big things, right? Uh, I've talked before, you know, to just take that M3 trip, right? The the place I originally met you, we were jumping rally racetracks out in the desert and all these cool things. You were always I, faster. <laughs> I, I was, as a matter of fact. I actually was. So, um, but I think the way that trip came about is somebody in, in M3, I don't remember who it was, maybe Ray, said, hey, did you guys know that we could fly stump planes and basically laser tag in the sky and like actually fly stump planes in the sky? Yeah. And you guys were like, oh, yeah, we, sh- we should do that. And for 99.9% of the population, that would be the end of it. Yep. Like, oh, that's a, that's that's cool. I didn't know you could do that. We should do that sometime. Mm-hmm. Nothing else happens. But somehow, two months later, we were flying planes <laughs> in so the sky. Cool. I mean, it was amazing, right? So I think of you as somebody who not just thinks big things but does them. But what you just mm-hmm. told me and all of our listening audience is be careful make sure that you're self-aware and you're ready. Check your health, check your bank account, check. Mm-hmm. Your, so how do you know if this is a cool idea that I need to think about and prepare for, or if I should go ahead and book the tickets? I was ready to act then because I did the work before to be ready. Okay. So I still went through that same process. But what I did is I built a platform of security that I can operate out of security with my health, security with my finances, security with my uh, emotional state. I poured into my kids. I was, I mean, I was very, very ready to grow, to have growth experiences. So you prepared for opportunity maybe before you even had it. You didn't know what opportunity was going to happen, was going to present itself, but you were prepared anyway. That's right. By having that kind of bandwidth and freedom, you can react quickly. When you are fully scheduled and fully committed, you can't act. Mm. I love it. That was that was that was right on. That's what we needed. I love it. Sweet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's gonna take our first conversation to a close. We're here talking with a big thinker and like Tim just said, a big doer right here. Well he's pointing to himself. If you're watching, <laughs> you just saw that. But Adam, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And uh for the folks who are looking to connect and potentially work their way, weasel their way into uh, being fired by you yeah, in yeah, the future yeah. <laughs> yeah how would they find you uh go to so for this conversation i would say go to ceo to owner.com and i've got my book that's the number that's letter t-o no i think that's it's the number a, two i think i bought them both but i think it's the number two right and ceo to owner.com yep and i've got some free courses up there about nine nine hours of if really? you need to fire yourself from your company to get to where you are it's up there for free you can go and oh, take Lou's it i was going to close the podcast but let me write that down okay <laughs> very good all right yeah. well ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us on this great conversation again uh i'm jay do and this is now the grow with adam podcast <laughs> so we will see you guys on the other side or in outer space to infinity and beyond thanks for listening to today's grow with tim podcast If you enjoyed the show, be sure to show us some love by following us here and on our other social media platforms. 
You'll find all the links at growwithtim.com.